Well, good evening, everybody. Another year has come and gone. Faster than we probably even thought, right? Like, where did it go? No wonder the Bible tells us, Scripture tells us, to make the best use of time. To redeem the time for the days are evil. For certainly we are living in evil days. I want to look at Psalm 141 tonight, a prayer for the new year. I'd ask that you stand with me as we would pray, as we would look at God's Word and hear what God would have us to ask for for this new year. There's a lot of things we can ask for. I think a lot of it's encapsulated in Psalm 141. First, let's pray. Father, we come to you because you're the only one that can help. Lord, may we have that fixed in our mind. That you, as we sang this just a few minutes ago, your greatest treasure, our highest treasure, and you are our unending need. We need you. So we also sing, we need you every hour. Oh Lord, I need you. And we need you, Lord God. We need you to step into our lives all the more. We need to be made more into the image of Jesus Christ for the days are getting more and more evil, more and more darkness, more and more twisting of truth, the perversion of truth. We live in a day and an age in which what is good is definitely called evil and what is moral and right is called evil. And so, Lord, we need your help, not just for a new year. Lord, may what we speak of tonight, Lord, be what we've already resolved to do because we're in Christ Jesus. Help us, Lord, not to live in 24-7 or 365-day dimension. That's where we are. But help us to live with eternity in mind, of storing up treasures in heaven. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what Psalm 141 says, O Lord, I call to you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and as the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds, in company with men who work iniquity. And let me not eat of their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me, it is, it is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil for my head. Let not my head refuse it. Yet my prayer is continuously against their evil deeds. When their judges are thrown off the cliff, when they shall hear my words, for they are pleasant, as when one plows and breaks up the earth, so shall our bones be scattered at the mouth of Sheol. But my eyes are toward you, O God, my Lord. In you I seek refuge. 
Leave me not defenseless. Keep me from the trap that they have laid for me and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. It's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. If your Bible is open, you'll see it's a psalm of David. Some debate when this was written. Why did David write this? Was it written because of uh, <clears throat> Absalom fleeing from Absalom and the traps being set for him? Was it with Saul coming around him? We really don't know. But it is a prayer of asking God. He asked God to, he prays that God would consider him, that God would guard his conversation, that God would guard his conduct. And God would guard his companionship, those who he associates with. He says, consider. Verses 1 and 2, O Lord, I call to you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You can hear the desperation Oh Lord, I call you, hasten, kush is the word, do quickly, attend to, God come to me quickly, I need you, give ear to my voice when I call to you. He knows that the Lord will hear him, for the Lord hears the righteous when they call upon him. But you sense the urgency of which David is asking this. It's not just some passing prayer, perhaps, that we do, oh, Lord, bless my day, and we just hurry out the door. But there's an intensity. There's a, a desire of the heart. That he is grabbing on to God and saying, God, I need you to come and to answer me. He says, this is so important to me. He says, Lord, let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. That is significant. The incense was offered morning, noon, and night. It was offered at all the offerings. They would go and they would offer incense inside the holy place. And the incense, we know, represents the prayers of the saints. It was during the time of incense that Zechariah met the angel of the Lord and he told him about his son John. He said, may my prayer, may, may me calling to you be like the lifting up the hands of the evening sacrifice. Where they would lift up their hands and give praise to God. This is very similar to Psalm 28.2 where he says, Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. Have you ever really pleaded with God to listen? Have you ever begged God to hear? Oh God, give ear to what I'm saying. Do we do that just when we're in trouble? And God, I need you to deliver me. Let's be honest. How many would say, yeah, that's when, I'm not, that's when I'm intense in my prayers. When I'm in trouble, I'm all up in God's face, so to speak. But what about when things are going well? Is this the intensity of how we pray? Do we seek God's face? Do we seek after the Lord as though for fine silver and fine gold? 
Probably not. But see, David asks for help, and not that he's in trouble, but he's asking for God to help him to keep him from getting into trouble. I don't want to be in trouble, so Lord, I want you to help me. I need your desperate help to guard my conversation. To guard my conversation. How many of us know that it is our mouths above anything else that get us in trouble? Listen to what he says in verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Have you ever prayed that? Psalmist also would say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my God, my rock and my redeemer. David begins in the first place, he says, set a guard, which literally means to set a guard, over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, about the importance of the mouth, of where the origins of what comes out of our mouth, where they actually reside. Jesus says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. David knew his own heart. He knew what he was prone to. We know what we are prone to. What a great prayer, God, oh God, oh Lord, put a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. In other words, created me a pure heart. James tells us of the importance of the tongue. He tells us of the destructive power of our mouth. In James 3, 8 to 10, but no human being can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. You're not going to do this on your own. No wonder David says, O oh Lord, put a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the lips of my mouth. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Let our prayer be for this year, as it should always be. Oh Lord, help me in my words. Help me in my heart. Help me, Lord God, to speak in a way that harms others and dishonors you. We all know the destructive power of words. You know the saying, sticks and stones can break my bones and words will never hurt me. We know that that's actually a lie. How many of, you, of us wish we could go back? Boy, if I could be hit with a stick or a stone instead of the word that was said to me, I'd rather take the stick or the stone. Because those wounds you can actually heal from. A great prayer for 2024 is, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. And of course, how was that done? 
Just ask God to do it and sit back and do nothing. No, put God's word in my mouth. Put God's word in my heart. Seek after the Lord. Put good treasures in your heart. There's nothing gooder. That's a, that's a word, by the way, gooder, <laughs> than God's word. He is our highest treasure and our unending need, as we sang tonight. He says, not only do let my speech guard my conversation, Lord, guard my conduct. Guard God my conduct. What it says in verse 4, do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds in company with men who work iniquity, and let me not eat of their delicacies. It says, let not my heart incline. Incline is not taught, means to spread out or to bend. To move towards, to look in the direction of, and, and, and begin to desire what I should not desire. Isn't that exactly what David did on the rooftop when looking at Bathsheba? He began to look, and his heart was bent towards, and he took what he should not have taken, what was not his, and it led him in a whole string of other sins. Let not my heart incline to evil. Where do the inclinations of our heart come from? Do they come from without, from, from outside of us? We know we've been talking about spiritual warfare. Is the devil tempting me? He's making me do it? Well, that's a possibility. But he's also a good student of humans. He's had thousands and thousands of years of it. And he knows how to stoke that fire. He doesn't have to do a whole lot because our nature is so wicked. We need to watch our own heart and guard our own heart with the Word of God. I have your word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. As James tells us, it's from within that we need to watch. In James 1, 14 and 15, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives, gives forth, brings forth death. Let our prayer be, O oh God, let me not trivialize sin. You may not be thinking that sin has no destructive It's just a little white lie. It's just a little, that's not a big deal. Oh, come on, really? How many times do we justify the things that we do? Or when we're caught, oh yeah, but come on, or but you, no. Ask God to guard our conduct, the things within our heart. As Jesus tells us in what is called the Lord's Prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That we would be delivered from evil. That we would fall into temptation. What is one of the ways that keep us from falling into temptation, inclining our hearts through evil? He says, to not busy myself with wicked deeds in the company of men who work iniquity. David says, David prays that God, let not my companionship, those I hang out with, give me the right friends, help me to have the right friends, and to do the right thing. 
Look what it says again. Do not let my heart incline to any evil to busy myself with wicked deeds in company with men who work iniquity and let me not eat of their delicacies. I like that word delicacies. Right? Anybody ever hear of eating delicacies? Doesn't that sound fancy? Sounds like a food you should eat with your pinky up, right? You know, because it's just a fine thing to eat. I think of delicacies. My mind always goes to, and I know I've shared the analogy so many times, it goes to the line, the witch in the wardrobe, where Edmund needed the, uh, oh, now I just lost the name of it. Say, say it again. Turkish delight. Turkish delight. He needed the Turkish delight. Right? But he didn't know I wanted that delicacy. And once he had it, he had to have more. Delicacies is, is uh, monomenomen, however the word is. Food which is considered very fine and luxurious. The eating of these implying indulgence as well as participation. You know, Lord, don't let me fall in with the wicked. Don't let me desire what they do. Don't let me desire the fleeting pleasures of sin. Because that is exactly what it is. It is fleeting. It is pleasurable for time. It may seem pleasurable for, <clears throat> for our entire lifetime, but compared to eternity, it is fleeting. The book of Hebrews tells us this when it's speaking about Moses. When Moses had a choice, he could have chosen all the riches and the wonders of Egypt, and he chose not, but rather he chose to be mistreated with the people of God. Hebrews 11.25, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. The fleeting pleasures of sin. Not only that, are they fleeting, but the scriptures are clear that our sins will find us out. One day, they will find us out. It may not be in this lifetime. We should pray that they would find us out in this lifetime. That we would see them and repent of them. Because if they're found out at the great judgment seat of Christ, there is no chance of repentance. Let us pray that the people that we choose to be with, the people that we choose to associate with, are ones that will help build us up. As Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morsels. As the saying goes, one bad apple ruins the bunch. Solomon, who again writes this but fails, at his own wisdom. Later on in his life, he falls and sinners entice him. But he says this in Proverbs 1.10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. In other words, don't go with them. It is better to sit home and be alone, to be mocked and to be persecuted, than to go in with sinners. When we go in with the world, James tells us this, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You know, there is no worse enemy you can have than God. David prays 
that I would not fall in with the wicked, that I, my heart would not be inclined to their delicacies. David doesn't just pray, don't let me fall in with bad company, but he says, rather, send somebody who will correct me. Send to me a righteous man who will teach me, who will rebuke me, who will exhort me. Look what it says in verse 5. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let not my head refuse it. Yet my prayer is continuously against their evil deeds. Let a righteous man strike me. That sounds odd. Because I don't think he actually means to strike him. He says, let him rebuke me. That's the striking. It's oil for my head. He says, if somebody were to correct me with the word of God, it's kindness to me. It's oil for my head. Don't miss the significance of that. Where does the blessing of God reside? On the anointing of the oil. He says, let my head not refuse it. Let us pray that we would be responsive when corrected. That we would hear the convicting voice of those around us who love the Lord, who love us, and will speak to us and say, hey, you're going in the wrong direction. Hey, this is not right. This is what God says. As the Proverbs say in Proverbs 17 says, a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Think about that. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. In other words, you take somebody who is unwilling unwilling to hear correction. They are a fool. But a person who's willing to hear a rebuke does more good for them. They learn more from a single rebuke than a fool does from a hundred blows. David asked that God would send him faithful men, righteous people, that will be kind to him and tell him the truth. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the enemy, are the kisses of an enemy. I believe the, the NIV says, but an enemy will multiply kisses. They'll tell you all you want. Oh, they'll just kiss up to you. But a faithful friend, a righteous friend, will tell you the truth. And it may hurt, but they are faithful wounds. David asks, and prays that God would send to him people who will teach him the word of God. As Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Why Scripture? Because all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped with every, for every good work. Let us pray that God would send to us people who will teach us God's word and that we would be willing to receive what God says, even, even if what is said to us hurts. <clears throat> Though David asked that God asked God for faithful friends, he still prays that he would not fall into the hands 
of the evil of those around him who do not know the Lord. Look at what he says. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Yet my prayer is continuously against their evil deeds. David prays that the counsel of the wicked would come to nothing. That their influence would not last. You know, that's a great prayer to pray. Pray for ourselves, pray for our children, pray for our spouses, that the influence of the wicked, the influence of the world, because we are in the world, but we're not to be of the world, that the influence of the world would come to no effect. That it would have no staying power. That their heart would never be inclined towards it. Because David knows that the evil, wicked enticing of the world will come to nothing. That's what he means when he says, when their judges, verses 6 and 7, when their judges are thrown over the cliff, then they shall hear my words. Uh, as, one, as when one plows and breaks up the earth, so shall our bones be scattered at the mouth of Sheol. Say, how does that fit? What does that even mean? Well, some of it we really don't know. We kind of have to piece it together. We're not, sure, not very sure of some Hebrew sayings, but, but it says when their judges are thrown over the cliff, literally is translated when their judges fall into the hands of the rock. Who is the rock? He's God himself. It says, when they fall into the hands of God, David says, then they will know that what I said, the righteous words of which I spoken, God's word, they will know then that those words were right. And the idea that as one plows and breaks up the earth, so shall the bones be scattered at the mouth of Sheol. He says their wickedness will come to nothing. And that's exactly what sin does. Sin brings forth death. And though David asked that God would send him faithful friends and he would be kept from evil, he also asked that God would keep him from the trap of evil, the trap that is set by evil men for him. Because there's always somebody trying to take you down. Look at what it says in verses 8 and 9. But my eyes are towards you, O God, my Lord. In you I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Keep me from the trap that they have laid for me and from the snares of evildoers. Leave me not defenseless. This is important why we are strong in the Lord and the strength of His might and that we put on the full armor of God because God has not left us defenseless. He's given us a weapon, the Word of God. He's given us the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet ready to give it an answer for the hope that was within us, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray that we would not fall into wickedness, that we would not become lackadaisical. David says, Keep me from the trap that they have laid for me and from the snares of evildoers. Know this, that the wicked will fall into their own trap. Psalm 7, 5, 7:15 and 16 says this, He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole that he has made. His mischief returns upon his own head, and on his own skull his violence descends. 
the wicked will fall into their own plan. This is David, no different than David saying in Psalm 19, 13. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. What a great prayer to pray. Let us ask God that he would consider, that he would consider our prayer, that he would consider our conversation, that he would consider our conduct, that he would consider our companionship so that we would be ones who please God. Well, then, with what James tells us, we read it this morning in James 1, 19 to 27. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. There's the key. Receive with meekness the implanted word. That's what David means when he says, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let me receive with meekness the implanted word of God, that which is told to me from God's word, which is able to save your soul. Pray that we would be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious, does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their infliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. David praised these things, that God would guard his conduct, that God would guard his conversation, his companionship, and he says, and God, as they do, look what it says in verse 10. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass safely by. We make this our prayer. We make this our business. Instead of busying ourselves with things that have no value, but busy our things with the things of the Lord, then we will pass safely by. What a great prayer for 2024. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, because we need it. Guard, O oh Lord God, our mouths. Help us to guard our hearts to not incline it towards evil. Help us, Lord God, to choose wisely those of which we associate with, which we have close association with. Lord, let us not enjoy the delicacies of this world but rather choose you, our greatest joy and treasure, and our unending need. Lord, let us receive your word. Let us hear it so that we would be shaped all the more into the image of Jesus Christ, so that we would live as lights in this world, that we would shine in the darkness and so prove ourselves to be children of God. 
And so the Lord, that on the great day of judgment, we will pass safely by. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's close in the song. We're going to close in All I Have is Christ.